guys here we go 11 34 a.m coming at you from san diego on saturday june 13th 2020 it is bk here thanks guys for checking out the podcast uh really appreciate everyone listening week in and week out this is the two and a half hour monologue no breaks no editing i'm the only guy capable of doing it everybody knows it let's begin this week and start just kind of with a quick whip around with the ongoing protests and what's the situation right now Well, thousands of people have turned out to demonstrate against police brutality and racism in European cities like London and Paris today, Saturday, after a week in which statues linked to slavery and colonialism were targeted across the continent and calls intensified for scrutiny of policing and of a history of racial discrimination. Of course, these protesters on the European continent have shown solidarity with those marching in the United States in the wake of the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis last month. They have also denounced their country's own problems. Now, the situation was especially tense in London, where far-right groups came into the center of the city to stage an angry and at times violent counter-protest. These groups clashed several times with the police, who had imposed restrictions on the marches because of concerns about the potential for violent exchanges with protesters backing Black Lives Matter and left-wing causes. Uh, Videos shared on social media, you guys probably saw some of them, showed mounted police officers standing guard in Parliament Square in front of statues of Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, which had been covered to protect them from vandalism. That's right, even, even Gandhi and Mandela are problematic now. Protesters in the square were seen threatening and punching police officers who tried to repel them. Now, these demonstrations came after a week in which protesters in Britain tore down a statue of Edward Colston, who was a 17th century slave trader in Bristol, and others scrawled the word racist on a Winston Churchill statue in Parliament Square. Uh, Okay, quickly, what else? Uh, I'm going to get more into this in a moment, but... Uh, We're going to talk a lot about the police and basically police statistics and what the problem is with trying to figure out all the police statistics. And you guys have probably seen a lot of that going around, but we're going to, uh, I'm going to get a deep dive in there in a moment. Uh, Now, also, interestingly enough, U.S. police are using an unusual crowd control weapon more often. What is this weapon? Paintball guns. Now, paintball guns for years have been used against protesters all over the world, but it is kind of new to see them used in the U.S. against protesters. Uh, So, of course, in recreational paintball, players are required to wear ballistic eye protection, but people at protests usually are not wearing 
any kind of protective gear. And if you catch one of those rounds in the eye, uh, you know, it's, you could easily be blinded from it. So I don't really understand the whole concept of this. I, I've already been on record saying like, there's way better crowd control methods, but they don't seem to be using a lot of them. Uh, so while some chiefs defend the use of paintballs as a necessary tool, some are having doubts. For example, Chief Art Acevedo of the Houston police said his department of more than 5,000 law enforcement officers use paintballs only for training. Well, the Houston police, remember, did you see on the video? So George Floyd has funeral today, and I'm just going to preface all this once again, because I have to say it. What happened to George Floyd is a terrible crime, and I hope the officer gets the full punishment coming to him but did you see the houston police were saluting floyd's casket i mean like again what happened to him was a horrible crime he was also a felony armed robber like and you have police high-ranking police detail giving him like this honorary salute and procession this is getting like increasingly bizarre what i'm seeing around and i'm going to get a lot into that in a moment too now what else there's another investigation going around, and this involves the case of a Tennessee man who died in police custody. And this is Sterling Higgins, a black man who was accused of trespassing. And this was in a struggle at the Obion County Jail in northwestern Tennessee. Uh, officers basically held him down until he went limp. And uh, the case is unfolding in the U.S. District Court in western Tennessee. And they said, apparently there's video of all this. And the local district attorney said the videos are disturbing, but said that they did not prove criminal behavior. Again, very difficult to convict police on this. We'll talk about more of that in a moment as well. And the medical examiner in that case found that Higgins died of, quote, excited delirium, end quote, caused by large amounts of methamphetamine in his system. So, um. Yeah, there's that one going on too. So some of the police updates, let's go to that. New York on Friday became one of the first states to take meaningful action to restrict police forces after the killing of George Floyd by banning the use of chokeholds by law enforcement and repealing a half-century-old law that has kept police disciplinary records secret in the state. And Governor Andrew Cuomo did sign the expansive package of bills less than three weeks after Floyd's death. Uh, in addition, New York City also took tentative steps towards meeting protesters' calls to, quote, defund the police, end quote. On Friday, the New York City City Council Speaker, Corey Johnson, said that the council had identified $1 billion in cuts to the police department's $6 billion budget and would urge Mayor Bill de Blasio to agree in advance of the July 1st budget deadline. Now, even crazy leftist Bill de Blasio quickly rejected the proposal while indicating that he was open to further negotiations over the size of the police department. And a similar reckoning is occurring across the nation as lawmakers are weighing various changes to police tactics that they say, may have exacerbated racial disparities in law enforcement. In California, uh, goofy Governor Gavin Newsom has called for an immediate end to the use of what he called strangleholds last week, saying such use of force had no place any longer in 21st century practices and policing. 
The District of Columbia's City Council, D.C., unanimously passed a sweeping series of changes earlier this week, including prohibiting the use of chemical irritants, riot gear, and stun grenades on demonstrators exercising their First Amendment rights. Uh, New York, uh, I'm sorry, Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa signed a similar measure into law on Friday. That bill was passed unanimously by the Iowa legislature, also included a ban on most police chokeholds, and empowered the state attorney general to investigate police misconduct. And of course, in Minneapolis, where Mr. Floyd was killed, the city council voted on Friday to seek, quote, a transformative new model for cultivating safety in our city, end quote, just days after vowing to dismantle the city's police department. Obviously, that's going to take a lot of time. And again, Big city mayors and left-wing Democrats have controlled these large cities in the United States for many decades. Uh, so they're going to have to choose between their love of union money, particularly police union money, who obviously doesn't like any of this, and uh, this new, all these laws that they're going to do. And, and remember, these people have to win election. Everybody, Nobody wants to talk about that part, which really baffles my boggles my mind. If public safety starts to go to shit, all these people are going to get booted out of office. I freaking guarantee you. So don't think they're not thinking about that. I don't care what their rhetoric is. At the end of the day, they have to face voters. And a lot of people now are so cowed to say anything, and I got more on this again later, that they're just going to show up at the ballot box. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what else? As far as the feds, House Democrats did unveil a sweeping bill this week aimed at addressing racial bias and overuse of force in policing. The bill would require all uniformed federal officers to wear body cameras and would limit the military-grade equipment being shipped to state and local law enforcement. Republicans, who have been put on the defensive by all this, are still formulating a legislative response. Uh, they did decry calls to defund the police, however. So what else do I have? School districts in several states are abandoning the use of sworn officers in hallways, saying that their presence interferes with their educational missions. Uh, so that legislation in New York I mentioned earlier was years in the making. Uh, many of these bills, oh, this is what I was just talking about, were introduced years ago but gained little traction because of fierce opposition from powerful police unions. That four years have held sway over elected officials in Albany. Uh, so, but remember, Republicans did control the state Senate in New York for a while, but Democrats swept the uh, state capitol two years ago, and now they control it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, one of the most contentious of the legislation signed in New York was a measure to repeal the obscure statute in the state's civil code known as 50-alpha, which prohibits the release of all personnel records used to evaluate performance of police officers without permission from the officer or a judge. And they basically interpreted this law, the New York City Police Department, to shield the results of disciplinary hearings against individual officers. So uh, it looks like all of that is going to be pretty public now. New York was one of the few remaining states with such a secrecy law. California had one of the most restrictive ones until state legislatures 
dismantled that one uh, a couple of years ago. God, there's so much in this article. Very good article at the New York Times. I recommend you go read the whole thing. Uh, let's see. So let's turn back to Minneapolis here. And yeah, they unanimously passed that resolution to pursue a community-led public safety system. And that move came days after a veto-proof majority of the council voted to disband the police department after, of course, all of the protests. Uh, so in addition, more than a dozen Minneapolis police officers published an open letter on Thursday to condemn the actions of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Of course, he was the one who was pressing his knee to the neck of George Floyd. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to a contracting friend of mine, a former ranger, and I said this on the Jesse Kelly radio show earlier this week. Uh, he was a former ranger and a contractor, and he then went on to become a police officer in a major big city Texas uh, police department. And I asked him, I was like, what's your take on all this? You know, what, what is this? Is this bad cops, bad training? And he said, you know what, it's, it's people in the military, you know, you're trained from boot camp on. It's where it starts. You're really trained to, like, go through adversity and get through adversity. I played that clip of that National Guardsman, like, a podcast or two ago, who was sitting there being taunted to his face, and the dude didn't flinch. He had that military bearing, and he was able to keep it, right? And my friend said that is sorely lacking in police units, he said he's worked with a ton of bad. He's he said he had there's there's bad cops. Period. Nobody disputes that, and uh, he's had problems with cops like that. He's had to tell cops to stop, and he says it starts in the police academies. And if you get a bad recruit and you get a bad field training officer, uh, pretty much uh, you're looking at a disaster. So that being said, yeah, so definitely, it's almost impossible. I mean, how many? how many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of police officers are in the United States? Some are always going to get through. That's just the nature of it. So uh, here is a couple funny clips of the, uh, first of all, let's go to one of the city council members was on uh, CNN and the host S was asking like, well, hey, if my home is broken into, who am I going to call if you disband the police? Let's uh, listen to this. State action against our police department, which gives us legal mechanisms in the very short term. You know, there's lessons from all over the country, all over the world that we're looking to yeah. um, to take immediate steps while we work toward building the systems that we would need to imagine that that future. Do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous? For instance, what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege because <laughs> for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. Okay, so she basically, she just filibusters and doesn't answer the question. Typical. Uh, so that was funny. And then you had this uh, winner. Who's this one now? This was, uh, sorry, I have to move these tabs around you guys because otherwise my, it. I told you I keep having that problem. I actually called Apple about the internet browser automatically opening in Twitter when I don't want it to, and they, they don't even know how to do it. So uh, let us go to the 
Uh, let's talk about the police killings themselves. And why is it so hard to like get a straight answer on all the statistics? It's very difficult. And, you know, the past four administrations, I'm talking, you know, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and yes, continue with Trump. Each of those presidents have failed to obey a law compelling the federal government to track police killings around the nation. Now, in 1994, Congress enacted the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, which boosted subsidies for local and state law enforcement. The bill also required the attorney general to, quote, acquire data about the use of excessive force by law enforcement officers and to publish an annual summary of the data acquired, end quote. So basically, Congress effectively ordered the Justice Department to document how often police kill unarmed private citizens. Well, they tried like half-assedly in the manner of a huge bureaucracy, and two years after that 1994 bill was passed, a Justice Department report basically gave up, and they said, quote, systematically collecting information on the use of force from the nation's more than 17,000 law enforcement agencies is difficult given the sensitivity of the issue. And if you want to go read this, I'm reading it from a USA Today article. And instead of requiring local and state law enforcement agencies to comply with the new federal law, the Justice Department expanded its police public contact survey <laughs> instead of that. Uh, so... Seven years after the 1994 crime bill was enacted, the Justice Department did issue a report that effectively presumed that anyone who's gu who was gunned down by police uh, sort of had it coming. They titled it, quote, Policing and Homicide, 1976 through 1998, Justifiable Homicide by Police, Police Officers Murdered by Felons, end quote. That was the t title of the uh, article. Uh, now, the Justice Department was not really... Uh, too keen on this because the report had no distinction between justifiable police shootings and not so justifiable. And they were so embarrassed that they did not send out its usual promotional material announcing that report. Uh, so the Wall Street Journal noted in late 2014, and this was post uh, Ferguson when police there killed Michael Brown, and the Wall Street Journal said that uh, justifiable police homicides from 35 of the 105 large agencies contacted by the journal did not even appear in FBI records at all. Some agencies said at the time they didn't view justifiable homicides by law enforcement officers as events that should be reported. Uh, so, shortly before he left office in 2015, former Attorney General Eric Holder belatedly again, right before he left office, right, endorsed collecting national police shooting data, but his replacement, Loretta Lynch, publicly opposed requiring police departments to report their killings. So you can see what a fucking clusterfuck all this is. Now, in the, in the, but, but one thing we do know is that the uh, number of police violence is, is dropping. And that's like kind of a clear trend. Uh, the number of black people killed by the police has gone down since 2014, according to data from mappingpoliceviolence.org. And it, it, so you might be fooled by that because of the media coverage, but uh, th that is that is the facts. And 
they, I'm just scrolling through this uh, Vox article here because they had some, they had some uh, good data in here, and I'm just like trying to scroll through here and get to it. Uh, but what they came up with is that, you know, although it's not great, but it's not that bad. And the national murder rate has been dropping as well. So it's not like the police. So as the police have shot less people, the murder rate has also gone down. And I'm, that's like doesn't include the very uh, recent spikes that we've seen. Uh, so, again, we go back to what happened and how do we get after this. So part of the problem is after the FBI database tracking the use of force by the police was created, it wasn't made available to the public. However, that is about to change. That FBI database tracking the use of force by the police is going to be made public for the first time this summer, so that's exciting. And though it has taken five years to put into place, that tracking database still includes only 40% of the nation's police officers. So again, it's just not, it's not mandatory for them to do it. So a lot of them, and a lot of them don't want to do it. And there are still no national standards for police recruitment, police training, or use of force. Uh, so what else? Um, I'm just going to, here's another good, uh, some good statistics. A, a woman, Heather McDonald, you guys, some of you may have heard of her. She has studied this issue for a long time, and she recently gave testimony to the House Committee on the Judiciary on June 10th. And she is works at the Manhattan Institute for Policy Research. I usually don't do like kind of like op-eds, but this was like, you know, congressional testimony. So I figured it's, it's kind of safe. She had some good stats in here. Remember, policing today is driven by crime data. And the idea is they take... They, they, they look at the map of where all the crime is, and that's where they send the cops. So that's why, that's how they do it, and that's why New York City, who used to have 2,000 murders a year, has like about 300 now. And it's dropped, and it's saved a tremendous amount of lives. And it, that can't be overstated either. Think about how all the people in New York City who have been saved by the lack of violence there compared to what it used to be. Now... They, she had some interesting stats between, in New York City, and they said that she said that blacks, black Americans between the ages of 10 and 43 die of homicide at 13 times the rate of whites, according to the Center for Disease Control. In New York City, black Americans make up 73% of all shooting victims, though they are only 23% of the city's population. In Chicago in 2016, there were 4,300 shooting victims, almost all black Americans. Um, and what you don't hear are all the stories who, of people who like the cops. Now, for the last five years, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, you guys, the statistics, but it's only because I have so many tabs open and they all like have like one statistic in each one that I want to get to. So bear with me here. The last five years, the police have killed about 1,000 civilians a year. 
the majority of those victims armed or otherwise dangerous. So in 2019, the police killed 235 African Americans, most of them also armed or dangerous, out of 1,004 police shooting victims overall. Uh, so what about unarmed victims of fatal police shootings? Okay, well, as of June 1st, the Washington Post has a database of fatal police shootings, and they showed in 2019 nine unarmed black victims of police shootings and 19 unarmed white victims of fatal police shootings. And that number of black unarmed victims is down 76% from 2015, and that's when the Washington Post began keeping that database. Now, the Washington Post defines unarmed very loosely. This includes suspects who have grabbed an officer's gun or who are fleeing from a car stop with a loaded semi-automatic pistol in their vehicle. Those nine allegedly unarmed black victims represent 0.1% of all black homicide victims. And you know how many black homicide victims there are in a year? 7,500. Now, there was some issue about that Washington Post database because it was reported that it was like only nine black vict unarmed black victims in 2019. So the Post, the Washington Post, then reclassified over a dozen of its armed victims of police shootings as unarmed. And this reclassification occurred, like I said, just a few days ago, six months after the Post had already closed the 2019 database. Uh, so basically, it's like they wanted to get the number of black victims up. So now the Post is still sh is now showing 15 unarmed black victims instead of nine. Again, still like a tiny fraction of all uh, African-American homicide victims in general. So what about all the cultural craziness that's going on? It's been nuts, guys. I've been watching it. It's, uh, it's crazy. On uh, This week alone, uh, the, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary saying it was revising its entry on racism. Uh, the University of Washington removed the coats of its dance team after the only two black members of the group were cut and the two women were invited to return. Uh, a black race car driver called on NASCAR to ban the Confederate battle flag from its events, and they did. Uh, Nike joined a wave of American companies that have made Juneteenth an official paid holiday. Of course, Juneteenth celebrates the end of slavery in America. And on Friday, ABC Entertainment named the franchise's first black man to star in The Bachelor in the show's 18-year history. Um, so... And it's funny because, like, now now people are complaining that it just seems like performative, which I was laughing at last week. Uh, a lot of them are, like, kind of offended that, like, oh, all of a sudden these people are, like, tripping over themselves to uh, doing all this. Um, so I went over the NFL and all that stuff that was going on last week as well. So some of the other amusing stories that have come out here with the uh, – with the culture stuff is did you see the band lady antebellum i i had heard of them vaguely i'd never like listened to their music uh they went ahead and changed their name to lady a but in their haste to do it they neglected to see that there is already a established blues singer named lady a and uh-oh she is a 61-year-old African-American singer who's released multiple records and names, so now they're getting crushed for that. And I 
speculated on Twitter. We should like we need to come up with like a new term for when people are trying to be woke and then they do something and it makes everybody even more mad at them if they had just who and they weren't even that mad at them to begin with. Like Lady Antebellum, isn't that like country western like Nashville shit? I mean, like uh, like really I'm I'm just going to be straight up like how many like African Americans are even listening to their music. And here was a couple other examples. I don't know if you guys saw this. Did you see the celebrity video of everybody saying they want to take responsibility? Yeah, this and they this got crushed as being like super cringy and tone deaf and I'm going to play this video with these celebrities and just like listen to the cringe if you can. Here we go. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility Very dramatic. for every unchecked moment, for every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was. Every not-so-funny joke. Every unfair stereotype. <laughs> every blatant injustice, no matter how big or small. Every time I remained silent. Every time I explained away police brutality or turned a blind eye. I take responsibility. Black people are being slaughtered in the streets, slaughtered. killed in their own homes. Slaughtered. These are our brothers and sisters, our friends, Nine our people. We are done watching them die. We are no longer bystanders. We will not be idle. Enough is enough. I will no longer allow an unchecked moment. I will no longer allow racist, hurtful words, jokes, stereotypes no matter how big or small, to be uttered in my presence. I will not turn a blind eye. Okay, I can't. I, I just fuck. I can't take it anymore. And you know the funny thing is? So one of the actresses in there was Kristen Bell, right? Who's very woke. And she, she still got blasted because she just put out a fucking book, a children's book, called The World Needs More Purple People. And it's about a purple person who looks for similarities before differences. And in other words, basically, like we should all like look for similarities and, all, and everybody be colorblind. So now, colorblindness, by the way, is highly problematic in this day and age. You know, like seeing uh, Martin Luther King and being like, you know, don't see skin color. That is not what they want to hear anymore. And so. She's getting shit on all over social media in her attempt to be woke with colorblindness by, uh, by Twitter people. And um, it's funny, like, the more she tries, the more it, like, comes off as inauthentic. One critic said, Kristen Bell has written the, quote, All Lives Matter, the children's book, end quote, which is really good. And uh, that's pretty funny. So a couple other cultural notes. Pop culture notes. I mentioned NASCAR banning the Confederate flag from all the events. Uh, that had mixed reaction on Twitter as well. HBO Max removed from its catalog Gone with the Wind, the famous classic movie, the 1939 movie. And they pledged to eventually bring the film back with a discussion of its historical context. Okay, like, you know, I'm a fucking adult, dude. Just, you know, I don't need you to explain shit to me and how shit was raised. I don't need that. I know. I'm an educated man. You don't need to fucking hold my hand. They want to treat you all like little infants. It's so annoying. And I know I have many African-American listeners. I talk with you guys. I correspond with each other. 
doesn't this come don't you feel like you're being like fucking talked to like a little child at this point I mean I would uh, but yeah so they pulled that uh, some of the other things that happened was now all police TV shows are problematic as well the cops TV show was canceled at Paramount Network uh, that originally launched at Fox in 1989 and was uh, on for many years I don't they cancel it, but I honestly, whenever I saw cops on, and I love cops, uh, they were dealing with some like bucktooth hillbilly, like almost every time. And that wasn't the only cop show. Live PD was canceled by A and E, and that was like their flagship series, and it was also one of the highest rated shows on Basic Cable, and they just fucking yanked it right off the air. Uh, what else? As far as the higher education, we had a few good stories here. For one thing, Arizona State University revoked a job offer from its incoming journalism school dean after students and faculty accused her of microaggressions, including a tweet that called some police officers, you ready for this? Quote, good, end quote. Yeah, that, that's all it took right there. She's gone. Uh, it was a female named Sonia Duhay, and she was due to take over as dean, uh, but her offer was revoked after former students lodged complaints about comments they perceived as rude, and that's all it fucking took. Do you believe this? Now, that wasn't the only one. A UCLA professor was suspended after his refusal to grant leniency to black students on final exams amid recent protests over the death of George Floyd. He said he wouldn't do it, and he said he was just following uh, orders from his department that basically said, well, you know, if, unless it's like a death in the family or, a, you know, you're in the hospital, no, you have to fucking take the final exam. And they wanted him to do a, like a no-fault final exam. In other words, you take the final and it can only help you, not hurt you. And he said no. And uh, so he got suspended for that as well. Meanwhile, in Chicago, a principal of Whitney Young High School, which was named for a civil rights leader. That is one of Chicago's most selective high schools. She is an African-American female, and uh, she is now facing calls to resign. Uh, sorry, this fucking article, Chicago Tribune, is a fucking abortion to read. I'm scrolling through it right now. So... She even worked for the Reverend Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push Coalition. And now, after 25 years at the helm of Whitney Young High School, she has found herself the target of an online position. P I'm sorry, petition. Uh, to resign. And what's her crime? She basically said... Yep, I know, guys, this is fucking unbelievable. You wonder why the media is dying and all of their shit is going out of business? They can't even fucking write an article. Not a basic fucking article. Drives me crazy. Uh, but basically, she said uh, that if she made a video address to the students in which she, which she asked that if students do choose to protest, they not participate in violence or looting. Okay? And that was enough. <laughs> so now she's facing calls... Uh, to resign. Can't make it up, man. Now, let's go around a few other cop stories. 
you heard me mention retired St. Louis police officer Captain David Dorn, who was shot and killed during a pawn shop burglary, and I played the video of that. Uh, well, they caught the guy who did it. Uh, Stephen Cannon, 24, of St. Louis, was charged with first-degree murder. And, yes, sadly, Dorn was 77 years old, retired police captain. He was African-American. And the killer now being accused of his murder is also African-American. And I keep warning you guys about the social justice warrior district attorneys and the goal to let everybody out of jail because of some misguided social justice crusade. That Stephen Cannon, it could be Stefan, I don't give a shit. He was previously convicted in St. Louis County in 2014, was Cannon, but he never served a day in prison. He was sentenced to seven years for felony robbery, but he got probation under what's called suspended execution of sentence. Then, court records show, Cannon then violated his probation twice and got two more breaks, and he never even went to prison, and now he's sitting on a first-degree murder charge. Fucking unbelievable. Now, where's the media? Where's the media sticking microphones in all the DA's faces and the probation officer's faces over this? Do they exist, or nobody cares about that? Oh, and uh, meanwhile, this one too, not that anybody cares, but a longtime gospel radio announcer was fatally shot outside her home in Baltimore. This was Tyra Womack, and she went by Tyra Phillips professionally. She was an announcer on WEAAFM's Gospel Grace program for more than 30 years. Uh, she appears to be African-American, and the police have uh, no motive, and nobody probably really cares much about her death okay so what else let's play a kind of a few clips on here let's start with oh well you know i gotta start with my man this was going around earlier this week and this was an all-time classic this was very woke minneapolis mayor jacob fry getting booed Last Saturday, out of a rally, I know it's a little bit old, but I, I, had, I had already done the podcast, so I missed this, but I want to read this. So he was basically trying to reason with these protesters, and believe he's a far left-wing guy. And so they were demanding to defund the police. So let's hear how this exchange goes. Jacob Fry, we have a yes or no question for you. Yes or no, will you commit to defunding Minneapolis Police Department? What yes. did I say? Yes. We don't want no more police. No Is more. that clear? We don't want people with guns no toting more. around in our community, shooting us down. You have an answer? It is a yes or a no. It is a yes or a no. Will you defund the Minneapolis Police Department? All right, be quiet, y'all. Be quiet, because it's, it's, it's important that we actually hear this. It's important that we hear this, because if y'all don't know, he's up for re-election next year. I do not support the full abolition of the police. Why? Why is that? 
There you go. They told him to get... You know, the New York Times is funny. They fucking had to bleep out the F-words because you're all just so sensitive to it. But basically, yeah, he got booed off the stage and he, they uh, chased him right out of there. That's so funny. All because he doesn't want to get rid of the cops. Uh, let's see. Who else do I have here? Uh, let's go to... Oh, this one is good. Let's go to a woman... Angela Underwood Jacobs, her police officer brother was killed in the riot, and she testified in front of Congress along with George Floyd's brother. You probably saw him. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of this. And the heartbreak and the grief is inexplainable because it's very, very hard to articulate when your entire world has been turned upside down. I do want to know, though, when I think about all of this, is that my brother wore a uniform, and he wore that uniform proudly. I'm wondering, where is, the, where is the outrage for a fallen officer that also happens to be African-American? Yeah, nobody cares about that. Both of us, and the heartbreak and the grief. So there you go. That's what she said, and... Um very well said indeed. Now, what else do I have? Let's go to the... Oh, this was good. There's a, here's a Georgia state trooper, and he was asked to kneel. And he said he would only kneel before God. And everybody kind of like, you know, was like, oh, that's so cool. I, he is African-American himself. I bet if it was a white cop, they'd be shitting all over him. I wasn't have took... I'm supposed to be in, out of town this weekend with my wife. I took off today, this weekend. But I'm out here to make sure y'all say But don't go there with respect. Okay, thank you. I have much respect, but I only kneel for one person. And that's God. God about that. But what about what if you? <laughs> They're still trying to challenge him on it too, as he's, as he, uh, as he walks off. Now, what else? Uh, let's go to Wolf Blitzer, and he is talking to the Minneapolis City Council president. And he's asking, well, who's going to respond to the violent crime if we don't have any What's police? What's your reaction? What happens if there's a criminal out there with a gun and starts shooting people? Who's going to respond if there's no police force? Look, it is our top priority to keep every single member of our community safe. Okay. And if you look back Answer the at the last 150 years of our police department, it is becoming increasingly clear that that model of policing isn't working. So we need to invite in our whole community the nine members of the city council that came from every corner of our city to stand together to make this commitment, we don't have all the answers. And what we committed <laughs> I to don't know. was a community process to help reimagine public safety. Okay, so you know what? I'm sick. You know what? You guys, at the end of the day, too, you guys voted for this. This is what you voted for. So all you fucking people who are like, oh, my God, look at all these nut jobs we have. This is what you voted for. I, I don't know what to tell you. I told you, I kept telling you not to. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, here's a, a supercut of the media talking about how white people suck. Well, if you think you're not racist, you could be right. But in this day and age, that's simply not good enough. What I did wrong in 2016 is I overestimated white people. The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right. Those white guys, those middle-aged, boring, nerdy-looking white guys. And white people have been 
probably woefully late to this conversation. But I'm not willing to let white voters off the hook. Do you believe that, that, that white folks actually care about ra racial injustice? It doesn't appear that we do. I mean, the status quo of our society is racism, and it's comfortable for white people. Well, because we're white, we have, we have had privilege, even the poorest of us. I sit here as a privileged white woman. I cannot imagine, but I appreciate you educating us. It's very hard to talk about the issue of race. White people particularly don't know how to do it. Well, I call it white mansplaining us. This idea that white people are objective on racism, which is outrageous. We are the least objective. The most dangerous kind of white privilege is to think that we can sit this justice struggle out. It's critical for, for white people, for people uh, in general, to, to stop denying their, their racist ideas. That's why it's time to check our bias at the door and lean into the discomfort that is necessary for real change. <laughs> the heartbeat of racism itself is denial, and the sound of that heartbeat is, I'm not racist. It is incumbent upon people who hold the power in this society to help to do that, to do the heavy lifting. And guess who that is? Who is that, Chris? White people. Oh, there you go. This credibly accused sexual assaulter, Tom Lemon, has spoken. You know what's so funny to me? They conjure up this myth of, like, like all, all week on Twitter, I was talking about, like, why hasn't the KKK been declared a terrorist organization? I'm like, the fucking K... Are you fucking serious? They haven't been relevant in, like, decades. And people are, like, constantly talking about, like, these scary white supremacists. Like, like really? Like, a young black man... Like, the biggest threat in his life is some uh, KKK guy, right? <laughs> in this in, in 2020, that's the biggest threat to his life. I mean, come on, let's fucking be realistic here. Uh, let's see, a couple other clips. Uh, let's go to this one. Oh, this should be good. Here was a black woman who did not care for the white liberal protesters uh, who were blocking the street, and she started screaming at them. This should be funny. I enjoyed that very much. Okay, what else uh, from the clips? Here was a uh, here is a crazy white woman who is basically saying that um, uh, the that Trump is causing a holocaust right now. So let's uh, listen to this meltdown. No, I'm not exactly the voice that people need to be hearing right now. Um, in fact, I need more confirmation that this is real. I've gotten some, um, but I need more confirmation that this is real. Um, Trump supporters got an email. That said that this email is for patriots only. You've been identified as one of President Trump's fiercest and most loyal defenders, and according to your donor file, you'd make an excellent addition to the Trump army. It goes on to tell them that they would get a limited edition camo Keep America Great hat. 
<laughs> to let them know that you are the president's first line of defense when it comes to fighting off the liberal mob. I don't know if you know... Hitler made Jews wear yellow stars. Hmm. This feels like the reverse of that. <laughs> well, I don't even know what that means. What is wrong with white women? What what has happened to them in this country? They 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 all seem like really really I don't know unstable. Um, what else? I have. Uh, oh, here's a uh, here's Governor Andrew Cuomo, who was asked about the columbus statue in new york and you know as you guys have know all the statues are coming out did you see the video put on twitter at bravo kilo actual where uh they were tearing down that one statue and it fucking came right down on top of that guy he's like 45 years old it's like dude what are you you're 45 years old apparently you had a couple kids and he's sitting there uh while somebody tears down a huge statue in front of him and it came right down on his head i don't know if he's gonna die or not he's definitely fucked up but here's uh, here's Cuomo talking Columbus, about the, the I, Columbus. Uh, understand the dialogue has been going on for a number of years. The Christopher Columbus uh, statue represents, uh, in in some ways, the Italian American legacy in this country, uh, and the Italian American contribution in this country. I understand the feelings about Christopher Columbus uh, and uh, some of his acts, which uh, nobody would support. But the statue was, has come to represent and signify uh, appreciation for the Italian-American contribution to New York. Uh, so he does not uh, support tearing down the statue to shorthand that. And then uh, let's finish that little bit. Well, actually, I got two more that I want to do. Let's talk. Let's listen from uh, Trump here, and he's talk. He's asked about the defunding the police thing. So let's hear from Trump, and he's asked about that. So we're going to be discussing some ideas and some concepts and some things, uh, but we won't be defunding our police. We won't be dismantling our police. We won't be disbanding our police. We won't be ending our police force in a city. I guess you might have some cities that want to try, but it's going to be very, uh, very sad situation. If they did, because uh, people aren't going to be protected. These people do a tremendous job of protecting citizens of our country, and that's what, that's what they're paid for. But whether they were paid or not, that's what they do. And, you know, somebody put it very beautifully before where they said they protect people, risk their own lives for people they've never seen before, people in many cases they don't know. You're protecting the lives of people you don't know. And it's... Uh, an incredible thing. It's All right, and you know what? It's it's funny. As I told you last week, you guys, I went over the statistics about like you know the millions of police interactions with civilians every day, and like hard it, it like one it hardly ever even goes violent, much justified or unjustified. Uh, so, the, and the police are popular. As I t I gave you the polls last week, people people like the cops, and so I don't care how much noise these activists make on social media. That is not going to change anytime soon. Now, a very important clip and a story. And let's go to Chicago for this, where aldermen, it's like think of a city councilman, they call him alderman for some reason, basically begged the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, to help them protect their communities from roving bands of criminals who were clashing with police and looting. 
Uh, one alderman cried. Others grew angry with the mayor before it like started busting out into profanity. And uh, one alderman, Michelle Harris, was wondering how she could convince businesses like Walmart and CVS to rebuild on the south side after destruction. She asks her colleagues, quote, it's like, what are we going to have left in our community? Nothing, end quote. And uh, another alderman said that she felt helpless to protect older residents who she said were struggling to buy food and get prescription uh, medicine. Another alderman said her west side ward was like the wild, wild west out there. And this is what I'm telling you guys. Long after all the cool social media clips and everything is, are gone, they're, they're going to be left with like in a ruin. And so here is the part of the call leaked to the media, which the mayor is fucking super pissed off about. But I'm going to play... The call leaks, and you're going to hear them start cussing each other out. Let's listen we to this. We can't expect our police, and I don't fault them at all, to be able to control this. But I know that we asked our faith base yesterday to stand at the front line between police and looters and rioters. And I am simply not comfortable telling my churches, those people, to be the intermediary in the middle of a riot that's citywide. We need something better. Because right now, we only have 370 whatever National Guards on standby. Half our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. We have to come up with a better plan because once, my fear is, once we're, they're done looting and rioting and whatever's going to happen tonight, God help us, what happens when they start going after residents, going into the neighborhoods? Once they start trying to break down people's doors so they think they got something, or, you know, we know that people are here to antagonize and incite, and you've got them all pumped tonight. Today, they're not going to go to bed at 8 o'clock. They're going to turn their focus in the neighborhood. I've got gangbangers with AK-47s walking around right now just waiting to settle some scores. What are we going to do, and what do we tell our residents other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough. Thank you, Alderman. Next question. Well, no, I want an answer. <laughs> I, I, you commented on everybody. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. This is a Honor. question that I have. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. If you think oh, we no want offense, to... No offense, fuck you, then. Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? Okay, so there you go. Now they're all fighting with this. This is great. I love it. Hey, Chicago, that's who you voted for. You wanted it. Fucking reap it, dude. Uh, okay, and let's see. What else? Let's go. Well, let's talk. Now we have to talk, of course. Let's, let's kind of switch it up a little bit. And let's go to the fucking Seattle Autonomous Zone. This is great. And I'm not going to refer to it as Chaz. Nice try. I'm not going to use their propaganda. That's the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. No. It's the goofy Seattle Autonomous Zone. And 
Yeah, it's basically they took over whole city blocks inside a major American city. And, you know, you can kind of compare this to the Bundy standoff of a few years ago. You guys remember that? Except those were these hillbillies who took over a fucking shack in the middle of nowhere. This is like a whole neighborhood with, like, businesses and residents. And they've declared it a, uh, a free. It's, I don't know if it's like an independent country. And protesters did fucking seize the area. They put up physical barricades, which I fucking laughed my ass off about. Remember, remember my longstanding claim that, uh, or the, their longstanding claim that physical barricades do nothing to impede forward progress, a.k.a. the border wall. But yeah, they, they immediately put up physical barriers and laid claim to several city blocks. And the New York Times really soft-sold it. They're like, uh, they're like hundreds have gathered to hear speeches, poetry, and music, and uh, they had a they had a medic station, which is which is funny to me. I'd like to see their uh, qualifications on that one. And yeah, Mayor Stupid Mayor Jenny Durkin and Stupid Governor Jay Inslee basically uh, have no intention. It sounds like of letting this uh, putting a stop to this. And by the way, in that city block is a police precinct that they also took over. And the police chief, Carmen Best, said the decision to leave the police station was not hers, and she was angry about how it developed. But this protest zone is kind of functioning with the tacit blessing of the city. And again, you voted for this woman. This is what you voted for, Seattle. So I don't really fucking feel sorry for you at all. Uh, and a team from the Seattle Department of Transportation did come through intending to replace some of the orange barriers with planter boxes instead. But when the crew went to remove the barriers, some of the protesters objected, so the crew stood down. <laughs> uh, this is funny. Oh, he oh, here we go. This is great. What I just say, here's a great quote in the New York Times story about it. John Moore, 23, said he hoped to see the autonomous zone become legally recognized. Mr. Moore wore a stethoscope and paramedic apparel in a makeshift health center. The medic team was looking for a more permanent space to provide health services, and Mr. Moore said they had dozens of people with a range of qualifications, from CPR certifications to experience in a level one trauma center. What, well, what kind of experience? And basically, they don't want any police there. Uh, so let's first listen to the stupid moronic governor basically claim he had no idea that his the biggest city in his state, an armed insurrection, had seized several blocks and kicked out all the police. So uh, let's listen to this dumbo. Governor, I'd like to ask you about what's going on in Seattle. There's this uh, thing called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. What's your thought on that? The fact that the protesters have taken that over and not allowing people to come and go freely? Well, that's news to me, so I'll have to reserve any comment about it. I, I have not, I have not heard anything about that. Okay, either he's fucking lying right there, or he's so incompetent that he should be immediately removed from office, right there. A few other amusing. Let's hear from another Dumbo. Here's the, uh, here's the very woke mayor of Seattle, Jenny Durkin, who, again, you people voted for. So let's hear this. Park and Capitol Hill have been for decades a place for free speech and community. I've been going to Capitol Hill 
for almost 50 years and have demonstrated, hung out, and been with community many, many times. I just want to say, I know there's the anacronym that it is now the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. I got news for people. It's been autonomous my whole lifetime. Really? And anybody who knows and loves Capitol Hill knows that to be true. I want to make clear that for myself and for the city and for Chief Best, the First Amendment rights of residents must be protected and protesters must feel safe when they express their First Amendment they rights. They took over a police over station, moron! We've had peaceful demonstrations across the city. We had an amazing demonstration in Rainier Beach. In okay, I can't listen to this dope anymore. This is what you guys voted for. Uh, here was another one. Here was a guy, This I just saw this one this morning, and here's a guy saying that uh, in the autonomous zone, he was uh, basically demanding white people need to pay black people cash money. Let's listen to this. Okay. I want you to find by the end, by the time you leave this autonomous zone, I want you to give $10 to one African-American person from this autonomous zone. And if you find that's difficult, if you find it's hard for you to give $10 to people of color, to black people especially, you have to think really critically about in the future, are you going to actually give up power and land and capital when you have it? If, no. you, if you have a hard time giving up $10, you got to think about, are you really down with this struggle? Are you really down with no. the movement? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving you 10 bucks, bro. You know what's funny, too? Did you see the LA Times ran editorial, just a side note, that, uh, remember, you know, guys, I've long mocked the term people of color. And it turns out that I was ahead of my time because now people of color is problematic because they say it actually lumps in everybody and it marginalizes the black American experience by diluting it. By saying people of color, you're, you're, you're talking about like all non-white people, which is highly problematic. So I, again, woke BK ahead of his time. Uh, now let's go to uh, this clip too. Here was uh, people arguing about what to do next in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Let's see. You know what the thing is? You have hijacked it. You have taken the meaning away. You cannot portray the image you like. Go for it. Don't try to shut the black community out. I'm black I'm black myself. No, but when you have your vote. She said I'm not black. The thing about it is, the bickering and back and forth. What kind of change do you get from bickering and back and forth? Matter of fact, let me take this motherfucking mask off. What kind of bickering? What kind of change do you get from bickering back and forth? We can all check this out. I'm not done talking, boy. I'm not done. I'm not done. You won't let me talk. I got the motherfucking push. Like I said, what? No. Oh, God. Okay, so this is this is going really well, obviously. Now, I, I did also want to finish the uh, Autonomous Zone with The Stranger, which is a Seattle alt-weekly. And they had... You guys probably saw the hilarious vegetable garden that they were building there. And uh, The Stranger is wildly supportive of this whole Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. 
And uh, it, it was pretty funny. They had this like really pathetic looking garden. Now, there is a guy that they decided to interview. And he's kind of the guy leading the charge on the garden. And his name is Marcus Henderson, right? Now, he's not an amateur. He has an energy resources engineering degree from Stanford University. He has a master's degree in sustainability in the urban environment and years of experience working in sustainable agriculture. His Instagram shows him hard at work at various construction gardening projects, okay? There's a reason I'm bringing all this up. He points out himself. He is African-American himself, right? And he said farming has been an important way for black people to gain autonomy and self-sufficiency. But black land ownership, particularly in the farming sector, has dropped precipitously over the last century. In the 1920s, America had nearly a million black-owned farms. By the 1970s, it was down to less than 50,000. Who knows how many it is today? Uh, Now, so he's kind of like running the show on like how to garden all this. And... He basically says, so she heard the stats on the farm, and this is what he's passionate about, right? We need black people need to take it over the land and all this stuff. So my fucking thing is to him, you're a highly educated guy, Marcus, right? No doubt quite accomplished academically. You appear to know your business. So here's a fucking idea, Marcus. Why don't you take your Stanford degree? Why don't you fucking get a job, Marcus? Make some money, Marcus. Then buy a farm, Marcus. And then you can employ all these woke white liberals in Seattle however you want. You could have your own farm. You could have your own land. You could buy a fucking thousand acres, Marcus. Why don't you do that? Instead, you're fucking wasting your life in this mud pit in in the middle of the city and it's not your land marcus i don't i don't know what and he's probably never heard another person tell him this to his face this is what i would tell guys you know me i don't put anything on the internet or on this podcast i wouldn't say to your face my african american listeners i'm the last honest white man in the in america i feel I don't think the I don't think they're used to it because they're so, white liberals now are so cowed. Nobody challenges any of this, and I want to tell this guy, dude, you you obviously have accomplished a lot academically and appear to know your business. So why don't you fucking go work at a farm or save some money or buy a farm? I'm sure you'd be hired in an instant. But no, you want to fuck around with the hippies in Seattle on land that isn't yours. I don't fucking, the disconnect, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm all about autonomous land ownership, Marcus, especially for African Americans. So why don't you go do what all the fucking rest of the people have to do? Why don't you get a job, make some money, and then buy your own land and start your own farm? This is America, land of the capitalist. I don't know, I don't get it. Okay, so... uh I'm going to leave that there for now. I got a few police-related stories, but uh, let's let's go on because I do want to like get to some other stuff, uh, including the coronavirus. So, quick update on that: coronavirus cases have now hit 7.8 million worldwide, and worldwide deaths are 430,566. In the United States, we now have. Total cases of 2,134,926, and our total death count is 117,241. And yes, 
those numbers do appear to be ticking up as you saw with all the protests you know it's kind of obvious what about around the world quickly with the coronavirus well brazil's coronavirus outbreak passed a grim landmark on saturday surpassing britain to record the second highest death toll in the world after the u.s and as of saturday morning Brazil had acknowledged 41,828 virus deaths. Uh, that did pass Britain's 41,481. Now, Brazil's daily death toll is now the highest in the world, and that is bucking the downward trend that is allowing many other major economies to reopen. Meanwhile, India has overtaken Britain as the nation with the fourth highest number of cases worldwide after it experienced the most new cases in a single day on Friday. There have been at least 308,900 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in India. Um, so, what else happened with the coronavirus? Oh, West Point had a graduation. Trump spoke at it today. And the cadets had been isolated for 14 days. So this was a very unique uh, graduation ceremony. And they sat in white folding chairs spaced six feet apart as the West Point band played with plexiglass shields to protect against the virus. Uh, the number of deaths tied to the coronavirus has continued to decline in New York, and the death toll there was 32 yesterday on Friday. That is the lowest figure reported since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, but the number of states with rising coronavirus cases continues to go up. He's in more than 20 states are increasing more coronavirus cases. You'd, you'd expect that with more testing, you're going to get more cases. But California, Florida, and Texas are reporting thousands of new cases per day. Uh, in New York City, their first phase of reopening has begun, and that includes construction jobs, manufacturing sites, and retail stores. Uh, let's see. California hit a new daily high last week when it recorded 3,593 new cases, and it nearly matched that record this week. Uh, new Jersey and Asbury Park halted a move to allow some indoor restaurant dining that was scheduled to start on Monday. Orange County, California is dropping mandatory mask-wearing rules. Uh, in Oregon, the governor there has paused reopening efforts, citing a rise in cases in the state. In Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt issued an executive order allowing visits to nursing homes and long-term care facilities to resume. See, that's where I'd be the most militant. I would not allow any—the nursing homes should be quarantined at all costs, and the workers tested multiple times, like every day. That's what we should be doing. That's, everything we did is stupid. A, a top French court uh, in France, they struck down one of the stricter limits remaining from France's coronavirus lockdown— that was the government's ban on public gatherings of more than 10 people. Uh, obviously, thousands of people gathered in Paris and other cities around the country to pol protest police brutality. So that ship has kind of uh, sailed here, in my opinion. In Britain, the police were urging people to stay away from those demonstrations today. President Hassan Rouhani of Iran said on Saturday that he was prepared to reinstate a coronavirus lockdown if looser measures were not observed. In Guatemala, at least 58 people on the staff of President Alejandro Giamete 
have tested positive for the virus, including members of his security detail. The president said he tested negative. Immigration officials in Canada said the government may allow caregivers who are seeking asylum to remain in the country permanently because of their contributions to fighting the pandemic. Uh, And prosecutors questioned Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte of Italy over his delay in locking down two towns in the Lombardy region where the virus devastated the healthcare system. Now, no one has been charged with a crime, and they are just being interviewed as witnesses, not suspects. Uh, Also, a European vaccine alliance was formed this month by Italy, France, Germany, and the Netherlands, and they struck a deal with the Britain-based drug company AstraZeneca to supply up to 400 million doses of a potential coronavirus vaccine. That vaccine is currently still in clinical trials, has not been proven effective. Uh, so anything else on coronavirus? <clears throat> um, big tech is really aggressively placing new bets as the coronavirus pandemic has made them near essential services, including Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, So even with the global economy reeling and dozens of businesses filing for bankruptcy, tech's largest companies, still wildly profitable, are deliberately laying the groundwork for a future in which they will be bigger and more powerful than ever before. So go check that out. Anything interesting in the coronavirus world? Uh, In cramped Soviet Union-era apartments, the pandemic is fueling a silent paranoia. Yeah, a half dozen to more than 20 people uh, live in separate rooms within a single apartment. This is not unusual in Russia. These apartments are a relic of the Soviet Union. They are home to hundreds of thousands of people. Most of them are in St. Petersburg, where about 10% of the city's population live in communal apartments. So now, like, you know, they're all hearing coughs and thinking like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. I mentioned this last week a little bit, and I seldom cite opinion pieces, but Glenn Greenwald from The Intercept wrote a really good article. I encourage you guys to go read the whole thing. It's titled, quote, The Abrupt Radical Reversal in How Public Health Experts Now Speak About the Coronavirus and Mass Gatherings, end quote. So go Google the whole thing, you guys, because he said what I said last week about how can we trust our health experts anymore if they're like, well, no, 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 we we told you all to stay home under lockdown, and we publicly shamed people who didn't want to. Um, but if you want to protest that's uh, by the tens of thousands, that's fine. And he laid out tons and tons of examples of all these health officials who uh, changed this. Uh, as one journalist wrote, Quote, less than two weeks ago, the enlightened position in both Europe and America was to exercise nothing less than extreme caution. Many of us went much further, taking the social media to castigate others for insufficient social distancing. At the end of April, when the state of Georgia moved to end its lockdown, the Atlantic magazine ran an article with the headline, quote, Georgia's experiment in human sacrifice, end quote. And two weeks ago, we shamed people for being in the street. Today, we shame them for not being in the street, end quote. I mean, there are so many examples, and that's why I want you guys to go read this because I just don't have time to uh, go through the whole thing. But people are just getting, like, shut down, like, left and right. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite frightening. So one of the journalists who got in trouble 
was a guy named Lee Fang, who also works at The Intercept, right? And Lee Fang was forced, was basically called a racist and forced to apologize because he went to one of the protests and he interviewed a young man who's African-American. And Lee Fang asked this guy, whose name is Max, he's a young, young guy. It looks like he's probably like, I don't know, 18 to, 20, 18 to 24. And he's, he's a supporter of Black Lives Matter. Oh, side note, by the way, you guys, it is true, by the way. If you go to blacklivesmatter.com and you want to give them money, when you click on the donate link, it opens up a pay portal to Act Blue. What is Act Blue? Act Blue is a well-known Democratic activist site. So just know if your white guilt made you want to give a bunch of money and you think it's going towards, you know, like helping poor African-Americans, it's going to a Democratic activist group. So just FYI. And you can go try it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go to, go to blacklivesmatter.com, click the donate link, and watch the pay portal pop up. Anyway, so this kid is a supporter of BLM and... Lee Fang, the journalist from The Intercept, asked him if there's anything he wanted to uh, talk about. And so this kid answered. Let's hear it. I guess, you know, I'm black. I'm not fully black, but I'm majority black. I have some Cherokee blood in me, mixed in me, me and Will. But when people look at me, I'm black at the end of the day and stuff like that. So when I, as a black person, look at the Black Lives Matter movement, I have questions. Like, I always question, why does a black life matter only when a white man takes it? I have that question. Why do we value our lives on the color of the person who takes it? Because where I grew up at in East Oakland, there's been a lot of black people who were killed by other black people, or black people who killed brown people, or some vice versa and stuff like that. Why is attention only brought, only put on it and only brought up when a white man takes my life? Why are we so tethered with this white black? I, I just don't get it. We're so tethered in that. Like, if a white man takes my life, it's going to be national news and stuff like that. If a black man takes my life tonight, it might not even be spoken of. You know, and I don't, I don't like that. I really want uh, black people to approach their own issues as well. We have internal problems as well. We can't just focus on the external. So that's that's my internal uh, strife right there. Is I, I grew up in East Oakland. I've seen a lot of violence. I had two cousins that were murdered. I didn't know them very well, but they were murdered. They weren't murdered by a white man. They were murdered by a black man. My aunt was devastated by that. She took her years to get over it. She's still not over it. Over it. That's, a, that's, that's black on black crime, and it could be devastating. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop him right there, and he, he's, he's absolutely spot on. But for posting that interview, just for posting the interview, Lee Fang said nothing. He turned the camera and said, hey, you want to talk? Just for posting that interview, he was attacked mercilessly by other journalists for uh, going after for the for daring to uh, have an African American say stuff like that, and he was forced to grovelingly apologize for it too. I mean, it's just so fucked up. And he's right; that kid is absolutely right. Nobody cares. Uh, I mean, in Chicago. They just had their most violent day in 60 years. They had 18 murders in 24 hours. 60 years! One was a high school student. One was a hardworking father. And nobody gives a shit. Nobody knows their names. And I'm just, I don't have all the pictures in front of me, but there is a, about eight of them on the front page of this, and they are all African-American. But if you bring up any of this, it's like... Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. And I've said before many times, guys, don't misconstrue it. And I, I really value my dialogue with my African-American listeners because I've told you before, I'm a white, I, I'm a white man. I have no idea what your life experience is like. You don't have any idea what it's like for me. Okay. I'm not going to pretend like I do. And I'm sure the police have done tons of fucked up shit over the years, which is why I like the body cams personally, because if you're a good cop, the body cam is there to help you. Because if you're good and you're doing your job properly, because, you know, let's face it, a lot of people lie about what the cop did or said to them. And that, that body cam is going to be your savior. So I, if I was a cop, I'd want the body cam. All right. So, uh, and then just quickly, anything else? Oh, I have one more super cut from you. <laughs> Here, here's, a, here's a gathering of the media talking about protesting during COVID-19. Let's listen to this. Far more serious scene. Uh, watch these images. Really just an ugly, a dangerous scene at the state capitol in Michigan. As we look at this extreme group of people. Michigan those state protesters. Those pictures and those clashes really show um, the, the chaos. And you're out there with, with, um, with guns? I don't want to call them rallies. They're not protests. These quote-unquote protests, I, I don't even think that that's the right word uh, because protests are supposed to be peaceful. I'm not embarrassed to say that I was afraid. It's not clear what they're demanding, demanding to infect other people, demanding to make other people sick. It's dangerous, and these people can take this home with them and hurt their families and all the rest. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment, if and when they get infected. Who the hell do you think you are? I don't understand what is wrong with people. Stay at home. <laughs> okay, that's all regarding the Michigan State protesters. Now here's the rest. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not, uh, it is not generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. Excuse me, any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. The beautiful thing is we're seeing <laughs> citizens who are caring and concerned, they're hitting the streets. Heartwarming to see so many people turn out peacefully. You know, Brooke, I think this is a march, really. But as they're coming off, it's peaceful. They're saying peaceful protest. Across the country, uh, they're, uh, it's bringing people together, community with unity. People are risking COVID to explain to this country that we're fed up. Okay, there. You, yeah, that's right. Remember, the I, I will never get tired of pointing that out. You see all the fucking stupid woke vets on Twitter? They were basically calling those guys in the Michigan State Capitol literally terrorists who, remember, broke no laws and committed no crimes. And no, they did not storm the Capitol. They were admitted one by one after submitting to a temperature check. But they were terrorists. Uh, you got to love it. All right. Is that all? I know I spent a lot more time on that when I want, guys, but that's the way the show goes sometimes. Uh, okay. Uh, just a few other uh let's go to well let's go around the world a little bit on some non protest related stories let's start with Uganda where four poachers were arrested this week in connection with the killing of a rare silverback gorilla in Uganda's Bwindi impenetrable national park that is home to nearly half the world's mountain gorillas uh the gorillas extremely high on my animal hierarchy so this silverback gorilla was known as Rafiki was killed by a poacher with a spear. Well, Rafiki was the leader of a gorilla group, which has been popular with tourists for decades. Now, the last time a mountain gorilla 
was killed by a spear was in June 2011, but there are signs that poaching in gorilla parks has increased in recent months as tourism has fallen because of the coronavirus pandemic. They did arrest four poachers, and one of them, uh, he said he killed the gorilla in self-defense. Said Rafiki charged him, and he then speared him. And the poacher was found with uh, hunting devices and all of that stuff, so that, that, that excuse might not fly. So, very sad. Leave the gorillas alone. Very, very high on animal hierarchy. What else? Let's go to Hawaii. This is a good story. A cult leader and his followers were arrested this week in Hawaii for violating quarantine orders. Uh, this group is interesting. They have reportedly already been kicked out of several countries in Central America. So they are, the leader, it's called the Carbon Nation Cult. And the leader is a guy named Eligio Lee Bishop. And Bishop and 20 others were arrested on Hawaii's Big Island Wednesday and Thursday for violating the state's emergency orders. Uh, Police said the cult members arrived on the island on June 7th and 8th, and Hawaii's governor ordered any visitors to the state to self-quarantine for 14 days or risk arrest because of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, they weren't from the state. So... 20 of the people arrested this week are from out of state. A 42-year-old woman who lives on the island where police made the arrest was booked into jail under, quote, prohibited acts emergency management, end quote. A little bit about this cult. So they had already been kicked out of Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Panama. Uh, The cult practices nudism, polygamy, and they do not bathe. Uh, Bishop's followers had to give them their bank account information and credit cards, according to the newspaper. And the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reports that Bishop was a model, a stripper, a prostitute, and a barber before becoming a cult leader. So, very interesting. Uh, Bishop has a YouTube channel called Carbon Nation TV with almost 85,000 followers. (laughs) Everybody's social media. Oh, too funny. What else? Let's go to China. Ten people died and more than 100 were injured in the eastern Chinese province of Zhejiang on Saturday after a truck carrying liquefied gas exploded on a highway. Uh, Videos were seen on social media, and they showed a large explosion that appeared to send the chassis of a truck uh, careening into nearby buildings. And other footage showed charred facades of nearby buildings with windows blown out by the shockwave and flaming wreckage sending up thick black plumes into the sky. That death toll could mount because rescue workers are searching for people trapped in the residential and factory buildings, some of which had collapsed. Uh, This truck was carrying fuel between two cities on China's east coast when it happened. More than 100 rescue personnel and 34 fire trucks had been called to the scene. Um, Over the past two decades, if you didn't know, China has built out an extensive highway network, and the number of vehicles on it has grown rapidly. That has driven problems with road safety that the government has sought to address in sporadic safety campaigns. More than 200,000 Chinese die each year in road accidents, according to the World Health Organization. Holy shit, dude. That is a lot of people. 
All right, let's talk about the markets a little bit. The stocks on Wall Street you probably saw did rise yesterday, rebounding from that steep 1,800-point drop. That was their steepest drop in months. But the S&P 500 did close more than 1% higher after earlier climbing more than 3%. Now, on Thursday, the S&P had plunged by about 6%. That had been its sharpest drop since mid-March. Uh, financial markets are suffering from a shift in sentiment this week as investors have seemed to acknowledge the risks to the economy from pandemic-related shutdowns earlier this year. Uh, so confidence in a quick recovery and return to normal has been rattled after the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned that the depth of the downturn and the pace of the recovery remained, quote, extraordinarily uncertain, end quote. Uh, but the market was overdue for a pullback because if you haven't noticed, uh, I hope you guys have been buying on the dips because we had a huge rally, a gain of as much as 45% for the S&P 500 from March lows. That was the fastest recovery off a market low for the S&P 500 since 1933. But it does come as tens of millions of Americans applied for unemployment benefits and the national unemployment rate surged to its highest level since before the Great Depression. And then, of course, the protests, uh, easing the quarantine restriction, the rise in coronavirus, all that. That's, uh, you know, it's just it, nobody knows shit right now. But you, we have to be very careful of this. And you wonder, like, well, you know, we often talk about all the money printing. But... This is uh, not not without consequences. Um, one opinion writer believes that a crash in the dollar is coming and that the world is having serious doubts about the once widely accepted presumption of American exceptionalism. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking a look at all this stuff and the money printing and they're like, well, maybe the U.S. isn't as safe as we thought it was. So... The lack in domestic saving and wanting to invest and grow, the U.S. has taken great advantage of the U.S. dollar's role as the world's primary reserve currency and drawn heavily on surplus savings from abroad, but not without a price. In order to attract foreign capital, the U.S. has run a deficit in its current account, which is the broadest measure of trade because it includes investment, every year since 1982. So... Now we have exploding government budget deficits. According to the Bipartisan Congressional Budget Office, the federal budget deficit is likely to soar to a peacetime record of 17.9% of gross domestic product in 2020. They hope it recedes to 9.8% in 2021. And you know what? If we weren't the world's reserve currency, we'd be screwed. And I've told you guys many times, they look at the U.S. as a safe investment because generally we have law and order and we don't have like massively just openly corrupt corruption going on. I mean, we have corruption, but at least it's like against the law and hidden for the most part. And if we don't have that, if they look, I mean, we have foreign investors now. They're looking over at all these riots. They're looking at the fucking autonomous zone goofballs. And they're like, uh, you know, we don't know about the U.S. anymore. So, all right, let's see what else. Let's go to Iraq, where 
ISIS attacks surge. And they say that this is pretty much due to debate on U.S. troop levels. There is growing pressure on the United States to reduce its military presence in Iraq as strikes by the Islamic State are on the rise. So there are currently about 5,200 American troops in Iraq whose main missions are counterterrorism and training Iraqi forces. So the Trump administration, which does see the American presence as crucial for tamping down a resurgence of ISIS and as a bulwark against Iranian power in Iraq, does want to keep a force there. But there has been pressure on both sides to reduce that presence. Congress has increasingly questioned a continued American troop presence in Iraq. The Pentagon is reluctant to keep more than the absolute minimum of troops there because they have been attacked by Iranian-backed militias, of course, covered here many times including that attack on an Iraqi base in March that killed three soldiers of the American-led military coalition in Iraq. Two of them uh, were Americans. So Pentagon officials believe they can do the job with roughly half the current American force and have plans to reduce the number of troops in Iraq to to 2,500, but have no fixed numbers or timetable. And then on the Iraqi side, the country's parliament which is still pissed off about our airstrikes that killed fucking uh, old Soleimani and several Iraqi officials, did pass a resolution in January demanding the withdrawal of American forces. Of course, this week, the influential nationalist Shiite cleric, our old pal, Muqtada al-Sadr, called on the United States to withdraw and end its, quote, aggressive and high-handed behavior towards the world, end quote. Now, the Iraqi government has not acted on that parliamentary resolution, which is non-binding, and the Iraqi military is definitely reluctant to have the American troops leave altogether. The Iraqis say they can do the fighting on the ground themselves, but they say they still need help in reconnaissance, air support, and training. Well, you know what? It's been fucking uh, 17 years. Figure it out. All right, let's... uh, Let's lighten the mood up a little bit, guys. It's been really heavy here lately, you know, not only on the podcast, you know, my life in general. Uh, So I have to take my small pleasures here and there. Let's go to Harvey Weinstein. And explosive new revelations about Harvey Weinstein's penis have come to light. And you guys remember when his trial was going on, some of his victims described his bizarre-looking generals. Well... New revelations have come in a digital news weekly called Airmail. And they say they are claiming that Harvey Weinstein had what they called genital gangrene and needed penis injections before sex. And remember, his genitals took front stage when naked photographs were distributed among the jury. Uh, One actress, Jessica Mann, wondered if Weinstein was intersex after the creepy movie mogul forced her in oral sex and raped her in 2013. She described Weinstein as having no testicles and, quote, appears to have a vagina, end quote. Another model and actress who testified described his penis as looking like, quote, it had been cut and sewn back on and he has no testicles, end quote. So now the new information was, in fact, the result of a life 
the, the new information states that this is the result of a life-threatening infection that Saul Weinstein moved out of St. Bart's for medical attention shortly after Christmas of 1999. So the author of this alleges that Weinstein had been stricken with Fournier's gangrene, which is an acute infection of the genital region that diabetics and middle-aged men are prone to. Now, some men need skin grafts, while others can require an orchiectomy. You know what an orchiectomy is? This is a new word for me. An orchiectomy is the removal of the testicles. And many of Weinstein's accusers also noticed his erectile dysfunction. Uh, they had to, he would often send his assistants to procure a drug called Caverject. This is a drug that is injected directly into the penis 5 to 20 minutes before intercourse to increase blood flow and give an erection. Oh, God. So, and so now he's like claiming, you know, like, oh, I was so violent. I was acting out because of my deformed penis. I don't know if that's going to work on uh, appeal. All right, let's keep going around the world. I talked a few weeks ago about that fuel spill in... Russia. And they say that this is now, this kind of happened in the north of Russia, and this is now spreading towards the Arctic Ocean. And it, that diesel spill has released about half as much petroleum into the environment as the Exxon Valdez tanker accident in Alaska. You guys remember that? So they tried to put up floating barriers across rivers in the far north of Russia, but they have failed to contain that major diesel fuel spill. Uh, it is also threatening a nature reserve. So this is near the isolated mining city of Norilsk. And diesel fuel spilled from a tank that burst last week after settling into permafrost but that had stood firm for years but gave way during a warm spring. And they are now comparing this to the Exxon Valdez tanker spill. That was in Alaska in 1989. So this spill released about 150,000 barrels of diesel fuel into a river, uh, compared with about 260,000 barrels of crude oil released into Prince William Sound during the Exxon Valdez accident. And this diesel has now been seeping into the marshy riverbanks and spreading. So this is... a uh, this is not good, and they have declared a state of emergency in this remote region in northern Siberia. This is one of the largest petroleum spills in modern Russian history. So not good in Russia. Uh, let's see. Quickly, let's just get a few out here. The president of Burundi, Pierre Nkurunziza, 55 years old, has died of a heart attack. He did rule the small Central African nation for 15 years with an iron fist, included arresting journalists, stifling media outlets, and cracking down on the opposition. His death was announced by the government on Tuesday on Twitter. He did die in a hospital after he fell over uh, during the weekend and was hospitalized after attending a volleyball game. So he is gonzo. Uh, let's see. I mentioned Iran earlier. Let's go back there really quick. 
Iran passed a measure last week making it a crime to emotionally or physically abuse or abandon a child, expanding significantly the legal protections offered to children and juveniles. This new law materialized largely in response to nationwide outrage over the killing of a teenage girl last month. 14-year-old Romina Ashrafi, 14, I said that, was beheaded by her father with a farming sickle. Jesus. Because she had run off with a boyfriend. And that's uh, kind of what prompted all these new laws. Now, under Iran's Islamic penal code, her father, a guy named Reza Ashrafi, faces a maximum jail sentence of 10 years. That's it. Because fathers are considering considered guardians, and unlike mothers, are exempt from capital punishment from murdering their children. So this has sparked a debate. You know, it's one of these honor killings, so-called. And it's sparked a debate over the lack of legal protection for women and children. And they are asking why legislation to address this has remained stagnant in their parliament for 11 years. So now they have finally fucking gotten around to uh, doing something about it. So welcome to the 21st century. All right. This was an interesting story. Let's go to Sweden here really quick. The Swedish prime minister 34 years ago was killed. He was a guy named Olaf Palm. It could be it's P A L M E, Palmy. Yes, he was assassinated in 1986 in Stockholm. He was shot in the back by an unknown assailant. Well, they think they finally figured out who killed the guy. A prosecutor said there was reasonable evidence that the assailant was a man named Stig Engstrom, a graphic designer at an insurance company who killed himself in the year 2000 at the age of 66. He added that only a court could rule on whether Engstrom was guilty or not, but that since the suspect is deceased, there would be no court case. But interestingly, the prosecutor said he could not rule out the possibility that Engstrom had acted as part of a larger conspiracy. So, Palmy was killed in 1986 after leaving a movie theater in Stockholm, and the assassination shocked Sweden and evolved into one of the country's greatest mysteries. This guy, the prime minister, he was a liberal, socialist idealist who fought against perceived injustice around the world, which earned him a long list of enemies, particularly in South Africa, where he was a determined foe of apartheid. He did oppose the war in Vietnam, and at the height of the Cold War, he sought a third way between the East and West. So, uh, Anyway, it's a fascinating story. Go check out the whole thing. The Swedish case uh, was widely considered solved in 2018, but now they're kind of just the prosecutor and the government are finally kind of acknowledging it. So... Uh, it's it's crazy. There were there had been widespread criticism over the way the Swedish judiciary and the police have handled the case through the decades. So uh, Engstrom actually presented himself to the police as a witness to the killing, and as the case went on and you know for decades and was not solved, it spawned numerous theories linking his death to dark global conspiracies. And I always love those. So go read that whole thing. All right, let's see what else do I have here. Um, okay, let's go. Oh, how about this one? Some celebrity news. 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, the famous Laker, his 28-year-old son was arrested in California for stabbing his neighbor multiple times and charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Jesus. Yep. And he was arrested and booked on charge of assault with a deadly weapon, according to TMZ. The victim was hospitalized with multiple non-life-threatening injuries. Sounds like they're going to be okay. Uh, the suspect, you know, Abdul-Jabbar is a neighbor, so something happened there, man. Somebody, somebody like, snapped. Okay, what else? We got, oh, let's go to this, guys. You know, quickly, you longtime listeners, what's one of my all-time favorite topics to cover? Yes, it is the fake hate crime. That's right. And yes, a 54-year-old Princess Anne man will plead guilty in Friday in the case of multiple instances of racist graffiti being found at Salisbury University during the 2019-2020 school year. Officials have charged Jerome Kevin Jackson with a single count of misdemeanor maliciously defacing property while exhibiting racial animosity. He's accused of being responsible for the racist and sometimes gender discriminatory graffiti that was found on campus on five separate occasions during the past school year. And, uh, of course, following the racial graffiti, which included racial slurs, the school canceled their classes. They did the whole social justice warrior thing. Town hall meetings. Uh, you know, woe is me. Everybody gets an A. All that shit. And uh, the plot twist is Jerome Jackson is an African-American man. So, You know, the, America is such an irredeemably racist country that they fucking have to manufacture it constantly. Speaking of that, what is the what's the update on the hate crime that happened to LeBron James? You guys remember that? Remember when LeBron James claimed somebody paid in a racial slur on his gate at like 6 a.m. and by the time the cops got there, it had already been painted over with the exact color. I'm like, yeah, right. And then you never heard about that case again. I know. Go Google it. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah, that actually happened. Okay. Let's go to the Ivory Coast. You guys know I talk about Africa a lot. And gunmen have attacked a security post in northern Ivory Coast near the border with Burkina Faso, killing at least 10 soldiers and injuring six others. This was the first major jihadist attack in the West African nation of the Ivory Coast since 2016 when Al-Qaeda's North African branch killed at least 19 people at the Grand Bassam Beach Resort area. You guys remember that one? Uh, in May, Ivory Coast and Burkina Faso did launch joint operations along the border region, and fighters affiliated with Al-Qaeda and ISIS have staged a growing number of attacks and gained more territory in the past year in Burkina Faso. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know I've covered quite a few of the um, attacks in Burkina Faso. And let's stay in Africa and go to the Borno state of Nigeria. Again, you guys are very familiar with that area because you know that's a jihadist hotbed. And at least 81 people were killed in an attack on a village 
by suspected Boko Haram militants in that Borno state region of northeast Nigeria. Residents said the men attacked the village in armored tanks and trucks filled with guns, according to the government statements. And seven people, including the village head, women and children, were abducted from the Faduma Kalamdi community, described as a nomadic town in northern Borno. The men gathered the villagers on Tuesday morning, the gunmen, and started shooting in the incident, which lasted several hours. And one of the uh, witnesses and survivors told the Nigerian authorities that the attackers came under the cover of being Islamic teachers. <laughs> Don't do this. He said, quote, They gathered us and said they wanted to deliver religious sermon to us. They asked us to submit whatever arms we had. And some villagers then gave up their guns, bows, and arrows. Suddenly they started shooting at will. Even women and children were not spared. Many were shot at close range, end quote. Oof. Stay out of northeastern Nigeria at all costs. Oh, this was great. A lot of you guys sent me this one. And uh, this was a very neat story. This is the long-lost treasure chest that was hidden in the Rocky Mountains that was finally found. I'm fascinated by this. A bronze chest filled with gold, jewels, and other valuables worth more than $1 million and hidden a decade ago somewhere in the Rocky Mountain wilderness has been found, according to a famed art and antiquities collector who created the treasure hunt. So this, is, this, this guy who did this is 89-year-old Forrest Fenn. And he told the Santa Fe New Mexican uh, periodical that a man who did not want his name released located the chest a few days ago and that the discovery was confirmed by a photograph the man uh, sent him. Fenn said it was under a canopy of stars in the forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than 10 years ago. Fenn had posted clues to the treasure's whereabouts online, and in a 24-line poem that was published in his 2010 autobiography, The Thrill of the Chase. And hundreds of thousands have hunted in vain across remote corners of the U.S. West for the bronze chest believed to be filled with gold coins, jewelries, and other items. Many quit their jobs to dedicate themselves to the search, and others depleted their life savings. At least four people died searching for this. So this guy, Finn, he said he packed and repacked his treasure chest for more than a decade, sprinkling in gold dust and adding hundreds of rare coins and gold nuggets, plus uh, antique jewelry. And he said he hid the treasure as a way to tempt people to get into the wilderness and give them a chance to launch an old-fashioned expedition and adventure for riches. So the chest itself, he told people in 2017, weighs about 20 pounds, and its contents weigh about another 22 pounds. And he said he delivered the chest to its hiding place by himself over two separate trips. Uh, he, he asked how he felt now that the treasure has been found. He said, I don't know. I feel halfway kind of glad, halfway kind of sad, because now the chase is over. So obviously, you know, a bit of an eccentric guy. Um... Uh, but, hey, you know what, I, I, I think it's pretty cool, and I'd, I'd like to go try to find a treasure chest myself. 
All right, let's see what else I got for you guys. Um, which one do I want to do? Oh, well, let's go to the let's go to these fucking dopes. You remember the? Uh, let's go back to a few more protest stories. Do you remember those lawyers who threw the Molotov cocktails at the NYPD? Not a good decision, kids, because they have now been indicted on federal explosives and arson charges. They are fucked. Samantha Shader, 27, of Catskill, was the third the third person charged. She was not one of the lawyers, but she's accused of actually throwing it onto the NYP vehicle uh, occupied by four police officers. And around the same time, Brooklyn lawyers Aruj Rahman, 31 years old, and Collinford Mattis, 32, were accused of tossing their own Molotov cocktail at an unoccupied police vehicle in Brooklyn during a separate attack. So now all three of them are facing life in prison on the seven-count indictments, charging them with the use of explosives, arson, use of explosives to commit a felony, arson conspiracy, use of a destructive device, civil disorder, and the making or possessing of a destructive advice. <laughs> Luckily, no police were hurt. Uh, the dope who threw it at the car with cops inside, that bottle never ignited. But uh, the, the uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Poorly written article here. The ones tossed by the lawyers did ignite. Okay, that's right. And, and the one who was not the non-lawyer, that one did not ignite. Okay. Now, yeah, they're just they're just totally fucked, man. They they had prestigious law schools and promising careers, and like I'm telling you guys, the, the they've obviously been radicalized by higher education, and they thought nothing of like making Molotov cocktails and throwing them at the cops. Well, now the feds are about to fuck you in the ass. Hope it was worth it. I'll be shocked. I'm sure they're gonna plea down. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm at this point. Who knows what kind of social justice warrior judge and attorney they may get. But, I mean, I'd be shocked if they did five years, you know, much less life in prison. But we'll see. I mean, they are federal charges, and feds usually don't bring charges that severe unless they're pretty sure most of them are going to stick. This is not this the locals. Okay. Let's go to a couple military stories, and let's start with this, again, an update on that goofy airman who attacked the cops. He killed a cop. And this was U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant Stephen Carrillo. And he was charged with 19 offenses, including murder and attempted murder of peace officers during his first appearance in Santa Cruz Superior Court. These charges include the possibility of life in prison without parole or even the death penalty. Of course, dopey Governor Gavin Newsom has put a moratorium on executions, but that doesn't mean the local DA's uh, can't can't seek the death penalty. They certainly can, because who knows? Maybe we get another governor and we fire it right back up. But Carrillo allegedly shot and killed Santa Cruz County Sheriff Sergeant Damon Gutzwiller and wounded four other officers. Uh, this is an area outside the beachfront city of Santa Cruz, south of San Francisco. He was armed with homemade bombs, an AR-15 rifle, and other weapons, and was intent on killing police. Now the FBI is investigating whether Carrillo 
has links to the killing of a federal security officer outside the U.S. courthouse in Oakland during the protest. You guys remember that? I covered that one. Oh, just side note, that security officer, the Fed, uh, who was killed, uh, he was also African-American. Not that anybody gives a fuck. So, Carrillo had no record of disciplinary issues uh, during his service. And a friend told the local media that he considered himself a libertarian and may have been pushed over the edge following police use of force during protests over the death of George Floyd. So he was radicalized by the media into this. Yeah, not good. He's going away. Hopefully he gets the uh, electric chair. Do we have the electric chair? We don't have the electric chair. We still have the gas chamber, but again, they're not enforcing it. Now, sadly, another military story. This was sad. Two naval aviators were killed this week when their civilian single-engine aircraft crashed in Alabama. Captain Vincent Segars, the head of Naval Aviation Schools Command, and Commander Joshua Fuller did die this week when their Piper PA-32 crashed about 32 miles outside of Selma. This was a private plane. Fuller owned the aircraft. The pilot declared an emergency landing at about 4.40 p.m., and they were trying to land at a civilian airport that had been an old Air Force base that closed in the 1970s. Uh, they, a crop duster apparently was up in the air and saw the plane going down, but they, they really didn't uh, release any more information. Now, they were both decorated pilots with several decades of combined flight experience, and both did serve in Afghanistan, so very... Very sad. Okay. How about this one? All right. Let's go. You guys know a few. I got a few horrible stories for you. Here's one. Let's go to Florida. An Ocala man is accused of using a game to get a girl to give him oral sex. However, he is now charged with sexual assault because the victim was under 12 years old. The alleged victim, oh God, said she was blindfolded and told to guess different foods on a spoon. Well, she instead was tricked into performing oral sex on 30-year-old Mark McLean, and he did identify her as her abuser. So I guess she he put the blindfold on, uh, probably said something like, okay, open your mouth and, uh, you know, Fucking, I don't have to draw you a map on in this one, right? All right, and what else? More. Let's go to Paso Robles, because this was in San Luis Obispo County out here in California. And they had several officers wounded. And this was after law enforcement confronted a man suspected of shooting a San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's deputy. Well, they now say the shooter is dead. The suspected shooter was named Mason Lira. And this shooting did leave Deputy Nicholas Dreyfus seriously injured. Uh, Shots were fired in the afternoon. And another officer who was part of the regional San Luis Obispo County SWAT team was also shot after confronting Lira. His injury is not considered to be life-threatening. So then they found him hiding in a riverbed, and he attempted to flee when he was shot by police. 
So Lyra was hit and incapacitated and was later pronounced dead at the scene. Oh, he managed to get a couple other cops too. There were two other cops after that who were also shot. And luckily, it uh, doesn't sound like it's going to be life-threatening and all the cops are going to be okay. Is there any word on motive about this? He has a misdemeanor, a history of misdemeanor arrests. Uh, looks like it's just total shitbag, so. Okay, let's go to, what else do I have here? Uh, how about this one? This headline, this got my attention. A North Dakota woman drowns in a giant vat of sunflower seeds. Hmm. A 56-year-old North Dakota woman drowned in a giant vat of sunflower seeds when she lost her footing and was sucked inside the grain bin. Yikes. This is, where is this? North Dakota? Okay. Yeah, that's right. This was in a farm in North Dakota where she'd been helping two trucks unload seeds. She was wearing a harness, but it was not attached, and she plunged inside the massive container. They immediately cut holes in the side of the bin in an attempt to free the woman. She was removed, received CPR, but was pronounced dead at the scene. Got to what the harness is not going to do you much fucking good if you don't tie into something. Just FYI, uh, you learn the hard way. Okay, uh, let's see. A couple other police stories here. Let's go to... One of you guys sent me this one on uh, Instagram at BK Actual. And 10 members of the SWAT team at the Hallandale Beach Police Department, which is in Florida, resigned from their current assignment this week. Now, they did not resign from the whole police department. They just resigned from the SWAT team. And the, the uh, Hallandale Beach Police Chief received a memo from members of the SWAT team. And, uh, yeah, they, the officer said in the memo that the risk of doing their jobs is no longer acceptable. The team is minimally equipped and claims that the city commissioners have openly disrespected officers individually. Yeah, there's a lot of anti-cop rhetoric going around right now. And so... They issued a following statement on the manor where they said, uh, no, these cops are full of shit, and this didn't happen. So, well, that remains to be seen. What else? Let's go to North Korea. And I got a couple interesting stories here. First of all, North Korea said this week that it would cut off all communication lines with South Korea, including military hotlines. And they were going to start treating South Korea as an enemy. Now, North Korea made a decision when its top officials in charge of relations with the South, including Kim Yo-jong, the sister of Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un, met on Monday. And shortly after its announcement, North Korea refused to pick up the phone on Tuesday morning when the South made its routine daily call on the military hotlines between the two countries. Now, the North's tone this week was a sharp reversal from two years ago when a rare inter-Korean rapprochement culminated in South Korea's president, Moon Jae-in, visiting Pyongyang, becoming the first South Korean leader to address a large North Korean crowd. And these inter-Korean relations have rapidly deteriorated lately. 
And North Korea's economic isolation has subsequently deepened with this global coronavirus outbreak. So North Korea has stepped up on pressure on the South to ignore Washington, D.C.'s pressure even before the North denuclearized. For one thing, they demanded the reopening of the joint tourism venture at its Diamond Mountain Resort Complex. They have a resort complex? I didn't know that. That is a key source of cash that they had until it was shut down in disputes between North and South Korea. And now uh, Kim Jong-un and his sister have turned increasingly hostile towards Mr. Moon's government. Uh, Ms. Kim, who is a senior advisor to her brother, warned that North Korea would begin scrapping inter-Korean agreements to ease tensions unless South Korea stopped the release of anti-Kim leaflets by defectors from the North. And one of the other things that's interesting that pisses them off is that anti-North Korean activists in South Korea, they're mainly defectors from the North, have continued to send leaflets into North Korea by balloon. And North Korea has long been upset at these leaflets, which typically depict Mr. Kim as a cretinous dictator <laughs> toying with nuclear weapons. Hmm. The two Koreans, the two Koreas have run a telephone hotline at the so-called Truce Village and later at the inter-Korean liaison offices. Duty officers from both sides man their telephones. But when bilateral relations soured in the past, one of the first things North Korea often did, like this, so this is typical, is to stop answering the phone. And then they'll fucking come back and reopen the phone lines again later. And uh, yeah, just a little bit more about uh, the leaflets. I'm looking at a picture of them right now. Oh, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, they put out these balloons and they're just like carrying shit and they just float over the border and unleash their payloads on North Korea. And a lot of them are like propaganda calling Kim Jong-un, the North's leader, a devil who will meet the same bloody end as Saddam Hussein of Iraq and Muammar al-Qaddafi of Libya. Now these plastic leaflets, they say millions of them have pierced the stranglehold of North Korean censorship over the years. And Kim's government has called this uh, propaganda and called it a propagation greater than gun and artillery fire. So they don't like the balloons, so they promptly cut off lines of communication. So the South Korean government has tried to put a stop to this. And President Moon Jae-in's office did promise a thorough crackdown on attempts to send the leaflets, but uh, so far no good. Now, South Koreans living near the border don't like it because much of the propaganda material ends up in their villages creating a persistent trash problem. God, they must be sending these things by the millions. All right. So that's your Korea update. What's going on in Norway? Do you guys remember the mosque attack near Oslo last August? I'm pretty sure I covered this. Well, a 22-year-old Norwegian man who said he was inspired by far-right attacks was convicted of killing his stepsister and opening fire at a mosque near Oslo last August. And, uh, yeah, he is going away. This is Philip Mann's house. 
He had sought to use an insanity defense, but the court made it clear that it considered him sane. Uh, so he is 22, and he admitted killing his stepsister named Johan Zangia Hansen and attacking the Al-Nur Islamic Center in Bayram, an Oslo suburb, while wearing a helmet, camera, and body armor. He opened fire in the mosque, but was overpowered by two men inside before anyone was shot. See, there you go. That's what you do. You fucking got to take at, be a man of action when that shit happens in front of you. So, remember, they've got those weird laws over there. Like, 21 years is the maximum sentence you can impose. And he must serve at least 14 years. Oh, okay, they do have something different now. The sentence can be extended indefinitely under conditions known as special detention. And basically, if you're not, like, you know, sorrowful at all or remorseful for your actions, I guess they can just keep extending it, which is, has, is problematic in itself. Remember that the his probably idol, ha- Anders Breivik, you remember Anders Breivik? That was the terrorist attack in Norway in 2011 when he Anders Breivik went on a shooting rampage at that political summer camp for young people. That killed 77 people. Breivik was also sentenced to 21 years in prison, and he is also under special detention. And both men grew up in, uh, you know, Pretty middle to upper class conditions, so I don't know who set, who, who knows who sets these people off. Okay, we had a couple uh, we had a couple of confrontations, Karen confrontations, or you know Ethel. I'm gonna go with Ethel this week. I'm Karen's played out. So this Ethel was caught on camera not once but twice, uh, yelling at people in a racial way. So let's play some clips. Here we go. Did you just make a racist comment? You know what? I am not a racist person. You just you just made but a racist you know what? comment. You need to go home. I am from here. Look at go home. I am here from here. Go home. I don't care about your Facebook or your video. Oh, okay. You're Do making you know a racist comment right now. Do you know how many people can't stand you being oh, here? Oh, great. You play games. We don't play games. Oh, what kind of game are you playing? I play games where you get fucked to death. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, great. Let me let me take your uh, card. Let me you put your number plate too. You get away great. from me. So this lady I'm calling the just made you. a racist comment. I can't believe this. You are going to go to real jail now. Well, great, you are. Kind of man? I think you're going. He's an Asian guy. Respect. Respect people, lady. Understand your language, Respect, lady. Respect. Then you move your car. You are there way you too close. Get away from me. There you go. You don't even know how to park the car. You don't even know. There you go. Do you know who my family is? Do you know who your family is? Go home to your family. This is from your government. Respect, lady. Go home. Get educated and respect. This is from my government. Get educated and respect. Why do you want to do this? Just move on with your life. Respect. This is my Get educated and respect, lady. This is my Did you finish college? This is from my government. Did you finish Go college? Home. Did you finish Put college? That on your Facebook. Did you? You know what? Did you? You are nothing. What did you do? You're nothing. Exactly. You're nothing right there. What? Lady, get educated and respect. Little boyfriend. Okay, so all right, so there's that one. And then in the same day, apparently, the same chick had another 
confrontation. Let's listen to this one. Hey, listen to me. We don't play games here anymore, okay? The next time you ever talk to me like that, you're going to get your ass kicked by my family. Different They're going to fuck you up. What did That's I do? Right. They're gonna fuck you what? up. What did I do? Because you Check. are an asshole. Look at the whole stairs to yourself. But you had these what stairs and that stairs. Why don't you go somewhere stairs? else where you can go to a gym? This is not just for you. Oh, you Get the to... fuck out of this world. Get the fuck out of this state. Go back to whatever fucking Asian country you belong in. Okay, you racist. fucking bitch. This is not your place. This is not your home. We do not want you here. You Ooh. put that on Facebook. I hope you do. Because every fucking person will beat the crap out of you from here on out. Don't you ever say, oh, Jesus, to me when I want to use the stairs, you little bitch. <laughs> There's other stairs. You are a sick, fucking, ignorant teenager. Oh, oh thank wait, you. fucking what, middle-aged woman? <laughs> Who wears black in California sun? Who the fuck wears black? Are you an idiot? You wear black in California sun? All right, there she goes. All right, there. You know what? Just a side note. I'm kind of with her on the fucking people who take up stairs. So the beach right across the street from where I live, right, it has a very narrow staircase. And, you know, it's the only way to get down onto the cliffs, right? And there's this fucking one chick, and she's old. She should know better. She's a white woman. She's probably like 65. And she fucking walks halfway down the stairs, and then she parks her fat ass right there on the steps. And this is a very popular spot. There's like people with like families and little kids. And now that this is not a this is not a wide staircase. It's probably like three feet at the most wide. So now all these people with their beach gear and their little kids, they got. I, I sit there and watch, and they're all fucking having to squeeze by this fucking chick who's sitting on her fat ass, taking up the whole staircase. And it's like, dude, you haven't figured out after the 50th person is, like, squeezing by you. She doesn't, like, get up or move or anything. And I'm like, get the fuck off the stairs. There's plenty. There's a whole cl- there's a whole coast to go sit on, and you have to sit right there on the stairs. Uh, anyway, that's neither really here nor there. But it just, just reminded me of that just now. So... All right, quickly. I'm running out of time, guys. Uh, let's go to just a few... I always tell you guys, be careful what you do in public. A Colorado woman, 21 years old, has been shot dead and her boyfriend wounded after getting into an argument with a man who was angry at them for yelling at their dog to poop. Isabel Thallis, 21 years old, was shot dead. This took place near Coors Field in Denver just before noon this week. And they say that 36-year-old Michael Close got angry at the boyfriend, Darian Simon, for yelling at his dog to poop, so he gets out a gun and he opens fire. Simon was shot in the back, and his girlfriend, Thallus, was pronounced dead at the scene. She had just celebrated her 21st birthday days earlier. God. Crazy. Uh, Let's see. What else? Um, Oh, Ice Cube. The rapper has been tweeting a lot this week, and he's being accused, uh, again, of anti-Semitism. He's been tweeting out many Jewish stars, implying that Jews run the world. And, uh, of course, Ice Cube has a long history of this. He's an ardent supporter of Louis Farrakhan. And it's funny, because he suffers no consequences at all. He's still very popular among Hollywood, has tons of movies, record deals, and he gets away with this shit. 
He was accused in May 2015 of ordering his entourage to beat up a rabbi. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he has railed against Jews in his lyrics on his 19... 19- oh, he got rap lyrics, guys. You know the rule. If there's rap lyrics, I'm going to sing them. On uh, No Vaseline, he rapped the following, uh, talking about NWA's former manager who is Jewish. And the rap lyrics went thusly, quote, Get rid of the devil real simple. Put a bullet in his temple, because you can't be the nigga for life crew with a white Jew telling you what to do, pulling woods with your scams. Now I got to play Silence of the Lambs, end quote. Guys, I'm the best rapper that's going on right now. Everybody knows it. Oh, here's more rap lyrics. On the song True to the Game, Ice Cube rapped the following, quote, Nigga, go home, spray-painted on your house, trying to be white or a Jew, but ask yourself, who would they be equal to? Get the hell out. Stop being an Uncle Tom, you little sellout. End quote. And the track Black Korea was also littered with racist anti-Asian barbs. <laughs> oh, boy. And he's very pop, much like Snoop Dogg. He can say whatever he wants, and there's no repercussions. Meanwhile, if you fucking, uh, if, I, if I sniff the wrong way, I get fucking angry emails, and I'm shunned. All right, a couple of California bills in the works. Um, a proposal to establish a task force to study and prepare recommendations for how to give reparations to African Americans did pass the California Assembly this week on a 56 to 5 vote. God. Dude, I'm not giving you reparations. Like, I'm not. My family didn't get here until after the fucking Civil War, bro. That was hundreds of years ago. I never owned any slaves. My family never owned any slaves. You were never slaves. Fucking give it up, dude. Ridiculous. Why can't people just say this out loud and mean it? Yeah, all the fucking shakedown. Oh, the Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, she's a Democrat from San Diego, wrote the bill. Great. So, yeah, they're going to give my tax money to this. And then there's another bill that's now asking voters to repeal Prop 209. What was Prop 209? That was the affirmative action ban approved by state voters in the 1990s. So by a vote of 58 to 9, the California State Assembly passed ACA5, which would strip language from the state constitution prohibiting the consideration of race and sex in public education, employment, and contracting. Now, this is the first major step towards rescinding the law. But that is a decision that will ultimately be left to California voters. If approved in the Senate by a two-thirds vote on June 25th or by June 25th, the measure will appear on the November ballot. And the state will be given a chance to weigh in on the issue for the first time in a generation. And voters could then repeal Prop 209 by a simple majority. And again... Same chick, Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, San Diego Democrat, sponsored ACA5. The ban on affirmative action has been part of the California Constitution for almost a quarter century. Prop 209 passed in 1996 with nearly 55% of the vote. And uh, yeah, so 
I don't know. I who knows now in the climate we're in, fucking with the with the guilty white libs out here. I'm you know I'm I'm. It's real simple for me. For me, we're all equal, and let's it, like it's your own. Like honestly, if you fucking do these follow things, I don't care what your skin color is. If you fucking work hard, if you stay in school, if you study hard, you go to college, get good grades, stay off of drugs, and don't have any children out of wedlock. You have so many doors open for you, especially in this woke age we have where every fucking corporation, every higher education institution is constantly on the search for more minority students, more minority workers. Every Diversity is all the rage. Everybody wants diversity. If you do that as an ethnic minority, you're going to be successful. Like, like going back to that Stanford dope. You know how fucking many corporations and large agribusinesses would want that guy working for him? Not only because of his academic qualifications, but also, yes, it is a reality. Your skin color and your ethnic uh, and your gender is an asset in today's climate because of the diversity push. And anybody who says it isn't is full of shit. So if you do all that, the doors are wide open. So I'm, that's, the le- that's the playing field we're competing on. And it shouldn't be entrenched in law. The companies are doing them by themselves anyway. So if you just do that and work hard, and plus, do you want that stigma? If you're an ethnic minority, do you want to be known as the guy who was hired because, oh, well, he was he's hired because of affirmative action? I mean, isn't that a fucking insult? Like, you can't hack it? Won't there always be that doubt in your head? Like, oh, they only picked me up because of this. I don't know. I'm not an ethnic minority, so I wouldn't know. Uh, let's see quickly, uh, the military army general, Mark Milley, the top military officer, he declared he had been wrong to walk in uniform with Trump past protesters who had been cleared for Lafayette square to a photo op at a church. Yep. That's still going on. Uh, Kentucky has finally indicted somebody for bestiality. This is the first bestiality charges filed since the state passed a law banning it last year. And, uh, it's a couple. <laughs> a man and a woman allegedly had sexual contact with a dog and now face three months behind bars. They don't have any other details of the incident, sadly, so we might not never know. A Naval Academy alumni board member resigned in shame after accidentally live streaming on Facebook during a racist rant to his wife about Black Lives Matter. Oh, no. Another guy busted by Zoom. Sadly, I couldn't find the unedited clip, so it really wasn't worth it. Um, he said, quote, this was part of the, it was a 33-long conversation that was all streaming live, so I couldn't play the whole thing anyway. But he said, quote, I've got the emails about how we're supporting and we need to fix this problem. Fuck you. So all the white people have to say something nice to the black bitch that works in the office, but the black bitch doesn't get fired. It's bullshit. Management's going to fire the white people, end quote. Uh, he's he's uh, in a lot of trouble for that. How about this one in the Gold Coast, Australia? A naked and masturbating man attempted to crawl into a woman's cubicle at a public toilet. <laughs> In, in near, near a block with a bunch of nice restaurants on it. The 49-year-old woman was dining at a restaurant on the Gold Coast when she used the bathroom. She'd been eating lunch with her husband when she decided to use the shared block of toilets in a parking garage 
and she was in the toilet stall when she heard shuffling noises and someone came in on her right. The man began to move towards her on the ground and he was masturbating uh, while he was doing it and he was completely nude also. So <laughs> they haven't, and they haven't found the guy, so he's still on the lam. Uh, young Americans are having less sex than ever. Sexual inactivity increased among young American men between 2000 and 2018. Uh, and they said the percentage of sexually inactive 18 to 24-year-old men increased from 18.9% between 2000 and 2002 to 30.9% between 2016 and 2018. And women aged 25 to 34 were also having less sex. So come on, guys. You got you to gotta get going on that. Uh, let's see. What else do I have? I think that one's fake news. So I'm not going to go there. Uh, illegal immigration has risen nearly 40% amid coronavirus reopenings. That's right. Customs and Border Protection said they encountered 23,118 unauthorized migrants last month up from fewer than 17,000 in April. That is an increase of 38%. So the coronavirus has not slowed them down too much. Meanwhile, homelessness has deepened in Los Angeles County and is up 13% to more than 66,000 people just in LA County alone. And the majority of that was within the city of Los Angeles, which had a 14% increase to over... That's undoubtedly undercounted. 41,290 homeless people. An ex-DEA public affairs chief has pled guilty. Uh, he, Garrison Courtney, swindled more than $4 million from firms by falsely claiming to be working on an undercover CIA task force. I don't have time to get into that one. I should have. Uh, a wife has been accused of biting off her husband's penis after a violent fight that apparently left her with deep bite marks on her breasts. Uh, this was in Nigeria. So she then sank her teeth into her husband's penis, shearing it off. Hmm. Gotta watch that penis, fellas. Chinese military official with the People's Liberation Army was arrested and charged with visa fraud after obtaining a visa and then trying to steal medical research from the University of California, a guy named Shin Wang, a scientist and high-ranking military officer. He allegedly tried to board a flight to China with stolen university research. And he used this, uh, they, they say he lied on his visa application. And he then used his visa to work at the University of California, San Francisco lab, where he allegedly collected information to take back to China under the orders of the PLA. And then he kind of confessed to uh, being a Chinese spy. A Minneapolis basketball coach is charged with sexual assault of a preteen boy. Aaron Hajermerstad, 41 years old. Oh, God. The alleged victim was a preteen when he was assaulted in October when he spent the night at the guy's house. What are you doing spending the night at a grown man's house? Come on now. The boy said that Hajemerstad was asked him to perform a sex act in exchange for money. Uh, meanwhile, in Port Clinton, 
a man was charged after having after allegedly having sexual contact with a 14-year-old boy. Uh, a teen boy told police a suspect has placed his genitals between the boy's feet while placing his hand on the teen's genitals. All right. The report said the boy observed Cox standing over him when he woke up to the sexual contact. Oh, God. Just get the hell out of there, kid. Just run. Don't fucking ask them. Just get out, kids. Listen to your uncle now. Uh, CrossFit CEO Greg Glassman resigned, and he is going to retire days after his tweets about the coronavirus and the death of George Floyd sparked outrage nationwide. Uh, Yeah, the controversy began when the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation tweeted about racism and discrimination, and Glassman responded, quote, it's Floyd-19, end quote. Get it? Like COVID-19? And he then apologized for the tweets, but uh, then all the, you know, the company Reebok piled in. They told CBS they were ending its partnership with CrossFit HQ, and, and the damage was, was pretty much done at that point. And finally, you guys, let's fucking go to the big finish. I'm over it. And here we go. Headline from the Daily Mail. Man, 30 years old, has a whole fish stuck in his rectum after sitting on it by accident. <laughs> guess which country? You get one guess which country this is. Yes, it was China. And yes, they have video of them pulling the dead fish out of his rectum. Gruesome footage shows medics removing the dead blue tilapia from the patient's body. Uh, you can't really tell how... It's it's a good six-incher, for sure. And it's, and it's pretty girthy, also. And doctors made discovery during an x-ray scan after the 30-year-old man had gone to the hospital for severe abdominal pain. And he is claiming, yes, that the fish slipped into his rectum after he accidentally sat on the creature. Come on, bro! It's impossible! I'm going to go try it right now. Give me some fucking tilapia. I'm going to lay them out on the couch, and I'm going to sit on all of them, and I severely doubt that any of them are going to accidentally slip inside me. Oh, the medics had to surgically open the man's belly to remove the dead fish from his rectum because the fish was quite big. (laughs) Guys, that's all I got for you. Please... Consider visiting patreon.com. Look for BK Actual if you support the podcast, and I really appreciate all of my great patrons who do so. It's None of this would be possible without all of you. And you can follow me on Twitter, of course, at Bravo Kilo Actual throughout the week. And check out my Instagram, at BK Actual. And uh, please leave me an iTunes review. I ask you guys to do that because it's kind of how they grade the... Oop, not yet. That's kind of how they grade the podcasts. And uh, I just had a few uh, here, too. Uh, uh, K143 said, too bad every day was not Saturday. Uh, Bosch Jaka said, sorry, boys, Saturdays are for Uncle BK. Uh, somebody said, uh, Brad said, I look forward to BK's podcast every week. Super informative. So real that I've had to prematurely explain grinder, end quote. Uh, and um, Jake wrote, BK is a source of actual factual information. Um, he said, you know what? Uh, I disagree with some of his takes, but at the end of the day, you got to be an adult and come up with your own opinion. Absolutely. I don't expect you guys to agree with everything I say. I just try to put it out there. We have to have open discussions on this shit. You understand that? Especially for 
my listeners, and I know I have many ethnic minority listeners, you have to, there's no honesty anymore. And nobody talks about anything because everybody's so fucking terrified now. Look what's going on with all the woke journalists getting like resigned, you know, they're, they're getting fired from their jobs, and everybody's just so terrified to talk openly about anything lest it costs them their jobs. Well, I don't answer to anybody except you, the listeners. I don't have any sponsors. I don't have anything. All I have is Patreon, and I really appreciate you guys. I don't expect you to agree with everything I said, but I do expect you to bring a cogent argument to the table. Uh, Get Me to Mars also wrote, BK takes a deep dive into weekly news, and I love the political roundup. Yeah, I hope the... uh, he also said, I thankfully doesn't make videos of his podcast because if my wife saw them, she would leave me for his jacked and tan bod. God damn, dude, I'm telling you guys, the tan is fucking on point. That's all I got for you guys. Again, follow me on social media. That's going to do it for me. I'm off to the beach, and I will see you next week. I'm devastating, I'm so good it's a shame cause I